Hey there folks, it's me, Michael Bach, your Diversity Dude, and this is Talking to Canadians. I have a really awesome job. One of the best parts, I think, is all the amazing people I meet and all the interesting projects I get to work on. I met Level Chan while working on CCDI's Diversity by the Numbers, the Legal Profession project, where we capture and analyze the demographic makeup of legal professionals working in private practice in Canada. Okay, admittedly, when I say it out loud, I realize that it may not be that interesting for some, but it was interesting for me and for Level. My guest today is Level Chan, a lawyer originally from Alberta who now calls Nova Scotia home. After growing up in Calgary, Level moved to Halifax to pursue a career in law. His unique experience of being an Asian lawyer in predominantly Caucasian Atlantic Canada has helped him develop a passion for issues around diversity and inclusion. Here's my conversation with Level Chan. Level Chan, welcome to Talking to Canadians. Oh, hello from the East Coast. Happy to be here. And thanks so much for joining us. So, Level, you're a partner at a law firm based in Halifax, and you have a deep interest in diversity and inclusion. Let's talk about it. Well, hope to be a decent ambassador for the great things we have in the city. I, I think you'll do great. So let's start with a bit of a, bit of a walk through uh, your journey. Uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, I was uh, uh, born in Calgary. Uh, parent, parents uh, immigrated from Hong Kong and, and, and grew up in Calgary, ended up in uh, Halifax for, uh, for undergrad and ended up staying. Great. And I assume I believe that's kind of, you didn't go back to Calgary? like. <laughs> no, it was uh, yeah, much to the chagrin of my, my parents, in particular my mom. Uh, yeah, I really loved and fell in love with the city here in Halifax and uh, had great opportunity here at at uh, you know, the Stuart McKelvey, where I'm still working now, and uh, and, and decide to you know, build my practice and work here. That's great. Well, and it's you know there are far worse places to live. Um, so let's start. Let's uh, let's talk about your childhood. Tell us about growing up uh, Asian in Calgary. What was your day to day life like? Yeah. Well. Um... Calgary has a fairly large Chinese community, and I, you know, I, I you know, my my parents having immigrated from Hong Kong, Cantonese speaking, and uh, and yeah, really knew very little English when they first came here. So so connected early on with the with the Chinese community, and and I essentially tagged along. Uh, you know, uh, went went to them to kind of tra- traditional activities from you know Chinese New Year to you know everything to do with food that is part of Chinese culture and uh, and 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 also kind of, uh, you know you know they, they would try to force me or at least strongly encourage me to take in some of those activities I, I never took on Chinese school but uh, I did learn a little kung fu and was you know decent at it back in the day but it was it was very much a uh, part of that uh, that day-to-day life and and even when going to school you know, th- you know that there is you know, always a, a large Chinese uh, population uh, in the schools I think you know then at that time it was about 10% of the city so so very much a prominent part of 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 growing up in Calgary yeah sure it's a, a vibrant Chinese community in Calgary um, did you you know, let's talk about the sort of stereotypical environment. Did, did you find Calgary to be uh, 
welcoming of the Chinese community at that time? I mean, this was the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. So I it guess. was. Uh, I was born in '77, so it was really mostly the '80s, and 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 it was you know very welcoming. It was actually a, a time where there was a bit of a revitalization of uh, of the Chinese community. And I was lucky in that regard because prior to that time, there were uh, you know uh, certainly tensions uh, between the community and the city as a whole. Uh, but uh, it was actually uh, you know during the time when when Ralph Klein was mayor, where there was a revitalization revitalization of Chinatown and 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 very much an engagement um, you know, a conscious engagement with the with the Chinese community uh, part largely uh, you know, out of you know political kind of ambition <laughs> yeah I still remember the stories of him you know busing Chinese people to to whatever election station with I'm sure a sign that said had an X next to his name but it's uh but it was it was it was it was very much a re-engagement in the community and it was a, it was a good time as uh you know as as a Chinese person in the city because of you know, the growth in business and 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 to see see the, the leader of the city very much uh engaged in that community yes yeah regardless of his motivations um <laughs> What, what, uh, why I, I'm always curious about it. Why did your parents choose Calgary from Hong Kong? What was the motivation there? Yeah, it was, it was following family. Uh, my, my, uh, uh, my my father was actually the the third generation from my family who who immigrated here. Uh, the my my great great uh, grandfather uh, came to Canada, you know, and and worked uh, kind of a, you know, and and had a laundry business along the railroad building essentially, and then brought my great grandfather over and had him taught as a chef. And my great grandfather. Uh, uh, spent a lot of his time in, in Calgary, Banff, Jasper, uh, working in the hotels uh, there, and then he brought my father over, and and therefore also, you know, he also ended up in Alberta and at different times was in Banff, Jasper, uh, you know, Edmonton, uh, and then ended up settling it down in uh, Calgary in, in the restaurant industry there. Okay, so you have a, a long history in the Calgary area. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get, I guess so. You know, my my great grandfather, my great great grandfather is buried uh, near Frank Slide. Uh, for those who who know that area of uh, kind of uh, you know on the BC Alberta border, but the um, you know, most the most of the family has 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 been in in the Calgary area. Okay, so what did your parents do uh, when they moved to Calgary? What what line of work were they in? Yeah, well, my 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 dad, as 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 you know, uh, you know, fall you know, went through the the restaurant industry, uh, you know, starting you know as you know the dishwasher bus boy and moving up you know, from waiter and then eventually learning to become a chef. And uh, my mom was a seamstress uh, by trade, so when uh, when she first uh, uh, came to the city, she worked at you know, you know various places that were uh, that were making. Different clothing and and uh, you know, those from Calgary, especially around the Olympics, will remember Sun Ice, the uh, the ski jackets, and he, she worked at Sun Ice at one point making those okay. jackets. And uh, you know, and uh, but then eventually, uh, when I was in, um, uh, I guess junior high uh, is when my my uh, my dad opened a restaurant that ended up becoming quite successful. And my mom uh, worked full time there at the restaurant uh, on, on the kind of the, the dining room front of the house area of the uh, of the of the restaurant. Okay, all right. So in in 1995, you bring your family great shame and uh, decide to go to Atlantic Canada for university. So let's talk about that. Um, what was it like going to university in Let's just call it. It's a 
pretty white part of the country um, as a person of Chinese heritage. Yeah, it was it was it was a change. Uh, yeah, it was the it was it was the first city that uh, that I lived in and in, and even really traveled to uh, that uh, did not have you know, some type of center for the Chinese community. You know, like uh, yeah, right. traditionally, it, my father being a traditional Chinese person, wherever we traveled, whether it be you know, Vancouver or London or San Francisco, New York, you know, the first stop was always Chinatown, and, and just you know, we had to eat. And and uh, and and this yes. was the first city where there wasn't that. Uh, you know, we en- we ended up at the Chinatown restaurant at one point but there was no there's no Chinatown base to, to be in uh, and then uh, and and so so that so that was an adjustment but at the, at the same time one of the things that struck me was it was it was it was it was also you know a blank slate I guess there was a uh, you know there were there were really you know no preconceptions and prejudices about about you know being Chinese which is uh, something that you know, you know you know certainly went through and growing up uh, you know in in Calgary and uh, and and pe- people here you know very very friendly and welcoming and you know, and knew immediately the that they did not know who my father is uh, so they didn't even bother asking that question and but very much would <laughs> kind of be very curious, actually, and would sit down and invite me to Thanksgiving dinners, and and uh, you know become you know great you know friends with uh, with not only my friends at school, but also you know their parents who would you know in, invite me, and it was it was it was you know it, it, there there was you know and and I, I suspect they do that to to everyone and all their friends, and you know, but but there was certainly a lo- level of curiosity, uh, you know, questions about kind of you know level what what you know what's what's the story on your name and you know and uh yeah they'd ask you know kind of why 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 you know i have like two initials in my name you know i use my Chi- chinese name yao yan as my uh, middle name so there'd be you know kind of some some uh you know some curiosity but i found that it was actually it, it was actually yeah you know, it, 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 it was neat and it was something that i i found very uh very refreshing and and probably was a big reason why i ended up staying well, and it, it, I guess it does speak to the kind of um, the Atlantic sensibility. Um, you hear quite a bit about it of of people in the Atlantic, very friendly, uh, very open. Um, I mean, not to say that it's perfect, and there's a long history there of some other issues, but um, you know, I, I, I certainly my whole life uh, um, having been to the Atlantic multiple times to uh, all of the four provinces, I. I I, it speaks to that, I, and I can confirm that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it sometimes, yeah, you know, as as you say, it can be friendly, but not always welcoming. And yeah, everyone has you know busy you know busy lives and time with their own families. But uh, yeah, in I, I was lucky in in terms of uh, yeah, and, and maybe it was you know a large part of it was being at Dalhousie and yeah having friends who were yeah from yeah uh, from all the Atlantic provinces as well as Ontario and yeah and and thus yeah uh, take making that first trip to to Cape Breton and Glace Bay was was, you know, was incredibly welcoming in terms of that community and uh, and and same thing going to you know Hampton New Brunswick it was it was just a you know where 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 I had the, I was lucky in terms of the people who I met to to uh, who were you know uh, very very inviting and and open and, uh, and 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 more than just friendly and very much welcoming and in, in terms of me being the new person to Atlanta Canada that's good to hear yeah so uh, you have a law degree obviously as a lawyer 
but you also have a bachelor in arts in philosophy. What the heck was going on? Well, yeah, there? I, I I didn't know at that time that it was that philosophy is actually the second most common undergraduate uh, degree for law school. Uh, political science is the it's the most. Yeah, so it's uh, really and and I think sometimes it's because it's, you know, law becomes a default when you uh, are, are in those uh, those undergraduate uh, studies. But the uh, it, for for me it was uh, yeah I was I I'd been I'd wanted to go to law school since. Uh, uh, under since well, really junior high school. I still remember actually doing the first presentation saying that I'd be a family lawyer. That didn't turn out that way. Uh, but the uh, I, uh, I, <laughs> I you know, and you know, I, I thought that you know, you know, I had some interest in philosophy in in high school and found it you know interesting and, uh, and you know intellectually challenging. And I thought it would be a good way to prepare for law school as well in terms of. Um, uh, in, in terms of critical thinking and logic, and I had uh, had the LSAT in mind at, at one point too, and, and and I thought that would be uh, a good preparation for for going into law school, and and ended up loving it. Uh, again, it was like. Uh, yeah, uh, intellectually challenging. It uh, um, it it ended up uh, meshing really well with you know an interest I had in high school and computers and computer science and uh, and and yeah and all all the use of uh, logic and, and and such was really really interesting and, and fit well with that and and the people I met uh, again at Dow were were you know just fascinating people to just sit and talk and. Yeah, you know, have have a coffee, or there were always bagel bagels, so we'd end up having bagels at the, in the philosophy house, and you know had 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 great conversations. There's something about the shape of of the bagel and philosophy that just seemed to go hand in hand. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but yeah, now that you see it, absolutely. <laughs> so, how what what? Sorry, what area of law do you practice in? So, so I practice uh, in uh, pensions, employee benefits, and executive compensation. Uh, uh, within our, our our firm, we're I'm part of the labor and employment group. And when I first started, I did did uh, do labor employment and transitioned into a focus in that pensions, uh, employee benefits, and executive compensation. So, how did you end up deciding to focus that particular practice area? What was your motivation? Yeah, it was it was. Yeah, it, it largely of opportunity, and then and then support from my mentors and uh, and and partners here at the firm. Uh, you know, at that time there was uh, no one really focused in that practice. There were pockets of it in in, in a number of different lawyers in in each of our uh, six offices, really in the uh, four provinces. And uh, and they and you know, one of my my principal when I was an Oracle clerk and, and mentor uh, still, uh, uh, Brian Johnston, who's a labor employment partner, uh, sat me down and, and suggested that, that would, this would be an area that would be uh, an opportunity to, to build a practice in. And, and the firm uh, really supported me, really. Uh, I, there, there were no pension and benefits courses in law school at that time, so I, I really knew nothing. Uh, you know, I had my labor and employment uh, background, which was which was definitely helpful and, and you know, really informed and influenced how I practice pensions and benefits uh, law. But uh, 
yeah, the, really it was a matter of the firm sending me to, to, to training and seminars and, and, and conferences and then ultimately doing the work and, and providing that opportunity for, uh, you know, all those different pockets I mentioned from around the firm and, and doing work really you know, on an Atlantic regional uh, basis um, on pensions and benefits and, and learning and building the practice from there. And uh, and it was really the, the, the main catalyst or you know, one of the main catalysts for, for me becoming a partner. Okay. So is there a connection between philosophy and the law you practice? Do you see those two things interconnected? Yeah, I think like there is, yeah, I, I never you know, thought of it uh, that way, but, but certainly yeah, there is it, 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 you know, one thing that the, that pension and benefits law is, is it can be quite complex in terms of, you know, from a legal perspective, this intersection of, of uh, statutory law, uh, the, uh, you know, and legislation, um, you know, and uh, trust law and contract law, and, and, and having to kind of uh, uh, break down and, uh, and, and really analyze that, I think, is something that flows well from a, a philosophy standpoint. And I think that, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah, and and I think that there was, yeah. In, in addition to that, I wonder that one one thing that I've also learned a lot in this pension benefits practice is, is it leads you to uh, a greater understanding of kind of society and people. Yeah, you're much more sensitive to to demographics and what drives people's decisions and uh, and 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 the numbers that flow with it. You know, you know, it is you know like uh, pensions in particular is driven by. Have, you know, how long do people live and, and what type of family structure they have and all these assumptions go go into this you know like uh, their spouse being a certain number of years younger than than them and and and, and I and I find it fascinating in terms of how how it reflects kind of how people and, and philosophy really is about kind of existence and people and you know although I didn't I would never think of that connection it's 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 interesting that that there it's there in in, in a number of different ways. Well, that's good. I feel like every parent who has a kid taking a philosophy degree just—it <laughs> is, is useful. It is useful. Very much though. It still, it still is. <laughs> that's good. It's good. So, level. Let's talk about uh, my favorite topic: diversity and inclusion. Why? Why does diversity and inclusion and and equity matter to you? I, I guess it, yeah, it goes back to give what we talked a little bit earlier about that, yeah, the importance of a feeling that you belong uh, and and also succeeding in, in in what what we want to do and you know and and, and you know, I've been lucky in terms of uh, having those opportunities to uh, uh, to do that and and to succeed and I think it's important that everyone have that same opportunity and uh, and that everyone has you know find a place where they feel that they belong and and also you know are are in an environment where they can succeed in in the matter that you know in in, in being who they are and and doing what they want to do and I think that that is you know, something that I'm trying to uh, you know, pay it forward and and and, and help others in, in accomplishing what I've been lucky to accomplish myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, let's, let's have an honest thought and say the, the profession of law has they're a little late to the party on this in comparison to some other industries. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that's, you know, what, what the barrier has been? Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's an interesting question. I agree with you and, and, and absolutely in terms of the profession of law being behind at the, at the same time, the, 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 the law itself has, 
been at many times at the forefront of of change. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So so yeah. In terms of the profession itself, yeah, I think that there is um, yeah. Uh, 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 certainly, like yeah, I think many professions, there is you know, uh, resistance to change, and, and and whether it be through uh, you know how how we regulate our profession or how we operate you know our, our law firms and other legal organizations, the the the, the focus usually is not on you know, diversity and inclusion and 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 not on you know uh, you know making people feel and making the place uh, feel a, 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 as, as a place where they belong. It's usually more about, okay, there's certain results that are driven. This is the way that that drives and has, has been successful for this organization. And, and, and you keep plugging away that way. And, and, and yeah, that there's not a lot of attention uh, given at times to, to recognizing that there are different ways to do things. And I think that that's, you know, that, that is, you know, throughout the legal profession, uh, you know, right, right up to our regular, right down to the individual practices that we have, and and that you know, as a result, it re- results in a kind of very much a resistance to 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 doing things better on diversity and inclusion. Right. Yeah. Um, do you think there's? I mean, I, I probably this is maybe a redundant question, but do you, do you think there's more to do? Yeah. Oh. Absolutely, absolutely. Like there, yeah. As you noted, there's we are, we are behind and and continue to be behind. And there's 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 a lot that you know needs to be done and uh, and and yeah and should be done uh, with respect to advancing diversity and inclusion. What do you think needs to be uh, needs to be the priority in this area? Huh? Yeah. The if you had a magic wand, I mean. Yeah, know. yeah. It's it's just it. Well, it's such a. A, a, a big challenge and has so many facets uh, to it that I think that the the, the first element, you know, has has to be a uh, you know, at least some element of, of awareness and education, uh, and uh, and that has to be ongoing. Uh, but but at the very least, there there needs to be some groundwork um, you know, uh, laid for that, and and then you know both at the front end as well as on an ongoing basis, so that you know, you know, one one thing that the legal profession is good at, I think, is that um, you know, in its part of our ethos is, is is ongoing continuing education is very much an expectation uh within our profession you know where you know and and you know not that everyone is perfect at it but yeah you know, but at least that is an expectation and 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 that and and that has to incorporate diversity and inclusion as on an ongoing basis and uh you mm-hmm. know and then from there yeah you know, the the yeah you know, because you know of those kind of uh, you know tendencies to to do things as as we always have done because they've been successful for us in in in, in the ways that kind of you know uh you know, matter for for many people uh yeah i think that they're there that we have to be a little bit more creative as organizations and, and as a profession as a whole to um find ways to force us to think about diversity inclusion and do things about diversity inclusion there is I think from a from a legal organization standpoint, you know, there, there should be mandated and and is and we're moving forward uh, within Nova Scotia uh, to to make sure that there are, you know, are equity, equality, diversity, inclusion plans and legal organizations, and that there is regular ma- uh, measurement and and benchmarking on 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 those plans to make sure that you know we know where we are and and and, and measuring what measures are successful and initiatives are 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 pushing the you know the needle forward and and that means also you know 
you know, you know, using the stick, I guess, in some ways, or at least the motivation in terms of the regulation to to encourage that, and then in turn have that permeate into kind of the everyday, so that Kevin, kind of in, in the same way that that uh, kind of, uh, businesses think about their their budgets and the bottom line, they they should also be thinking about diversity and inclusion, and and uh, and and that can be done by you know. A variety of different ways. Yeah, there's the organizational level, but even just on the on the micro level, uh, you know, we saw in the judicial appointment process how just even having some questions about diversity and inclusion uh, for people who want to become judges to, you know, and, you know where they have to do ha- have to yeah, answer some questions about diversity and inclusion has has driven uh, uh, a greater awareness and importance of, of that, and I think that maybe we can do that on a, on you know, really uh, you know, numerous levels on on the in the day to day practice of the profession as well. Mm-hmm. So clearly, you're really you have a, a big passion around diversity and inclusion, um, demonstrated through some of your volunteer work. Which what what volunteer experience are you most proud of? Well, I, I, I'd say really the one that connected me to CCDI, which is the uh, oh, I love it. Good, the, good answer. Yeah, the the CBA Equality Committee. Uh, when uh, yeah, and, and and yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll credit first my partner uh, Sherry Conlon, who who you know, uh, yeah suggested that I attend a, a meeting of that group while while when she couldn't as the Nova Scotia Equity Committee Chair, and yeah, connecting with that uh, group. Uh, the, the inspiration and the energy uh, uh, in that group uh, really yeah, set me on the path in doing diversity inclusion work. Uh, at that time, you know, notwithstanding of you know how um, you know, you know, I'd grown up and 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 you know, the challenges and 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 experiences that I'd gone through, yeah, you know, diversity inclusion re- really was was not something that I gave you know, you know consciously thought about i guess uh and uh you know and 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 meeting with that group and eventually joining it and becoming uh chair of it uh and sitting on the cba board uh, and at that point uh, you know through the diversity by the numbers uh, project uh, connecting with ccdi uh it was uh was definitely uh yeah i'd say the the the, the experience that I've been most proud of, uh, and the the connections that I've made across the country with uh, you know uh, friends and, and and colleagues and and leaders uh, that have uh, you know, been really trailblazing uh, across the country uh, and even you know, outside the country in, in diversity inclusion is something that has inspired me to 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 keep playing along, at, uh, especially during the times when it can be a little bit challenging. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think the obvious question that someone's going to have as a consequence of what you just said is you're a man of Chinese descent. Why, you know, are you not thinking about diversity all the time? Like, why is that not, uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, top like, of mind? And, and, and I guess it goes back to how I was raised in a way where, where you know, coming to Canada and, you know, I mentioned that it's very much, uh, uh, yeah, uh, brought along with my parents to the Chinese community, but they put a very, very conscious effort into uh, yeah, uh, making sure that I had experiences outside the Chinese community and was was you know, was was really driven to do everything possible, right down to you know moving into school districts and such to 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 get into get into the right schools to to to, to get experiences to be successful in Canada uh, ultimately and uh, and and do more than what they were able to do and go to university and get a profession and and so at the same time I was you know, like at, you know, doing uh, 
yeah, like or learning kung fu or whatever. I was also, you know, in beavers and cubs and you know, Boy Scouts, you know, and just like uh, you know, moving up that and uh, and 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 traveling. Uh, you know, they felt that was a big part of what I what uh, I I. I you know, experience the child is to is, is is to travel and see different parts of the world and as i think back now we you yeah, we we you know traveled much more kind of you know you know to europe for instance never to asia you know and uh you know and it was always kind of the united states you know europe and you know in western cultures and i think that it was very much kind of how i was i, I was i was brought up and it was um yeah, and so so I became very comfortable in that, and and therefore, the the focus always was very much in kind of succeeding in 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 the society that I had yeah you know, kind of grown up in, and and it was all about working hard. It was all all about getting those different experiences in, and and it was it was not about uh kind of you know um yeah there was there wasn't that that concern about diversity and inclusion, and it, and it's it's weird when I think think back and and I remember the conversations i had with my dad and it didn't uh, have a second thought or whatever when he when he'd say a word like discrimination and uh, that was the biggest english word he knew and and you know and it's not until kind of afterwards and i thought wow like why is that and 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 it's because uh and why that was not a concern for me it's because they were so so very hard for for me to not have to uh, and not experience any of the challenges that uh you know and struggles that they had and uh and 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 that's a big part of how I've been able to be successful. I think. So, what what is one thing that you wish that Canadians more broadly understood about the law? I think that it would be that that it affects them and that they that they have a role in it. It's um, yeah, there is. Yeah, uh, there is a tendency for all of us, I think, to to focus on uh, what affects our day to day, and 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 that's natural, and 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 the law doesn't you know, uh, necessarily um, uh, do that until we have some type of conflict uh, uh, with the law, you know, within the law, you know, whether it be as simple as you know, fighting that speeding ticket versus you know having a you know, landlord tenant dispute or, or 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 having to deal with you know, a will uh, or a loss in the family where suddenly you have you know um, uh, you're you're forced to face the law and, and and deal within the law but you know it, what what I'd love for Canadians to understand is that it you know affects them day to day and and, and many many do uh, and or many are working uh, very very hard at it uh, and but I think that more more need to do so because the the law itself gets better with you know more perspectives and and we're certainly you know seeing that and 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 maybe one of the things that drew me to Nova Scotia is very much the history you know, uh, you know usually forced uh, when. Have, you know, there have been you know, uh, tensions between uh, you know, diversity and inclusion, you know, cult, you know, cultural indigenous, of course, and, and African Nova Scotian um, uh, you know, tensions that have affected the law here. And, and, and by having those conversations, it has led to better law and, and better legal institutions. And I think that you know, what, what would be great is if uh, more people would would uh would 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 make that effort and 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 also support those who are who are are putting in a lot of effort in terms of uh, making sure that those perspectives are reflected in the law would you have any advice uh, for young people considering a, a career in law particularly you know 
students of color and, and even more so thinking about the, the Atlantic as a destination. Um, what would you say to them? Yeah. The, uh, well, there is the, I guess at the front end, first of all, is I, I do always say to students that they, they should go into it, uh, into the, you know, into the laws uh, with a reason that they, that they enjoy and they, and they want to do it. it you know, uh, you know, we, we, yeah, I think that in my experience, the challenges often come first with the students who go into law as a default and, uh, you know, because yeah, they have that philosophy degree that they don't know what else to do with. Yeah. And, uh, and they figure this is a, is, is a fit. And I think that that, that is, uh, you know, the, the first thing I always tell students to make sure that they, they've identified and, and it will change. Like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, life is not static and, and what, you know, drives us and energizes us is, is, you know, doesn't stay the same over the course of our career. But, uh, yeah, when, when you start, you want to have something that you're, you're, you're building towards. And then, you know, and then, and then I think that goal, uh, then helps in terms of identifying, you know, as, as, as a, as a person of color or, 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 or as a woman or, or indigenous person to, to then, you know, you know, build the the experience and the work and then and and the network and supports that are that will move you in the direction towards what you want to do. And I think that that's yeah the 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 other kind of you know practical advice I give is to is 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 to reach out and connect with people and 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 get those uh, supports. They can be they can be personal. They can be professional. Yeah, you know, they can. Of course, there's there will always be family and friends. But you know, having um, uh, those uh, supports is important as you go through, uh, you know, what will be difficult times as you as you move through their, their legal career. But as you get get through those, it's it's incredibly uh, satisfying and uh, and 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 really, you know, potentially transformational uh, career. Uh, you know, not everyone wants to do that. You know, and and sure, there's this, you know. It, you know, if, 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 you know, if all you want to do is, is, is have, have a job and, uh, and make money and, you know, that you have that. And then, but the great thing about law is it does very much opening up, uh, opens up the doors for, uh, really, uh, numerous, uh, things that, um, you can do, uh, you know, and, and those, those options are, 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 you know, forever growing and being added to. And, and it's, and it's fascinating actually to see where, you know, people with a legal background end up uh, going and what they do. Mm-hmm, sure. That's, uh, it, it's certainly a degree that has a lot of, uh, presents a lot of opportunity, I think. Um, so we always like to finish our conversations with uh, the same three questions. We call them the light and fluffy, um, but it's just an opportunity to get to know you a little better. So um, uh, who are your heroes or heroines? Uh, the uh, well, yeah, you know, as 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 you know, uh, this conversation has reminded me, and and I don't give them enough credit at times. My parents, uh, you know, in in terms of how much you know they have done and and sacrificed, they've worked harder than than you know than than you know, than I have had to work, and 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 I would say probably most, if not all, lawyers have to work in terms of working in the restaurant industry would be much longer hours and work as well. Um, and then yeah, the uh, my wife, uh, you know, some someone who is, have been, yeah, 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 you know, aside from putting out with me and 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 going through, so so much more herself uh, has uh, been a you know, incredible kind of support, and I think that that's a big, yeah, you know, I'm in my practice and where I am very much uh, because 
of uh, of her, and then uh, the 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 fluffier hero, I guess, that comes to mind, and being the, the ex Calgary guy is is Jerome McGinley, uh, the you know former hockey player with the Calgary Flames, uh, you know, is you know, like and, and having been at that time a uh, yeah. Being, having been there when he was traded, you know, for the team captain Joe Newendike, and and uh, and and seeing that evolution from from someone who is uh, you know maybe seen as a disappointment and an underachiever to uh, yeah someone who was only you know who was no more because he was like a scorer who would you know who would fight and you, know, you think you know and I didn't even think back then you know like here you are uh, you know. Uh, you know yeah, you know, you know, a player of African descent, and they're talking about you know the fact that he can fight uh, is something that that you know yeah you don't even think about until after that fact. But then how he eventually evolved into not just being you know, a great black player, but just a great hockey player. I think that is something that is kind of you know, to his credit, and one of the things that I uh, uh, that that makes me think in terms of what what we as a profession need to do as well. How very Canadian. <laughs> Thank a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I guess like uh, you know, I, you know, it's yeah. Well, yeah. I was trying to think, you know, I was gonna, I was, I, I was gonna throw in Maya Angelou and throw in others, but that, no, this is something that is like, you know, you know, came came to mind. So you want it to be casual. So that is uniquely Canadian, absolutely. Now, what would you say is your biggest pet peeve? Ah. Uh, um, Ignorance, uh, yeah. Where, where I think that in in in, t- in today's age, there is there are so many opportunities and people for us to learn, and uh, and I think that the 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 you know the really the the refusal or willful blindness of, of people to 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 uh, to learn, I think, is something that. Uh, yeah, that yeah, you know, I guess that'd be that'd be one of the, you know like the the biggest bad peeve because it, it's. Yeah, you're always better off asking, right? And uh, you know, but you know, yeah, yeah. Again, it's a bit of a challenge at times, I know, and and takes some work. But you know, we, I think the onus is on everyone to to better themselves and and learn as part of the, you know, rather than you know go forward without that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And last question: What is your happiest and or guiltiest pleasure? I well, yeah, it's. This is not going to seem really guilty, but I can say say a little, uh, give a little bit further background. Uh, uh, being a sports fan, uh, you know, it's uh, I was, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, and you know, like I, you know, going back to hockey and hockey was was my first. It's something that where, yeah, I spent a lot of time following sports and most recently watching the Raptors, of course, and uh, and 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 you don't realize uh, until you're uh, very deep into it that suddenly you've gone into the world of of legalized gambling and in in the course of hockey pools and fantasy baseball pools <laughs> and, and 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 planning your travel around it and and eating and drinking that's uh, associated with it so so there's quite a few of guilt, guilty pleasures that uh that uh flow from being a sports fan and and i i'm a, a relatively new sports fan i didn't grow up uh, as a as, as a sports fan and it was actually coming out to atlantic canada that uh you know uh, led me down uh that path of following sports because uh you know it's interesting those conversations with people from Atlanta, Canada. They'd meet someone from from Calgary, and they'd similarly be interested in knowing about Calgary. And the, one of the things that they you know, were just flabbergasted at is the fact that I lived in a city with an NHL team, but had never been to a hockey game. You know, during the whole time, uh, you know, the, the, 
I'd never been in a hockey game, you know, you know, 1989, the Stanley Cup. My parents did recognize the importance of the event and, and you know, and, and took took us down to 17th Avenue and to drive down just to, to soak in some of the atmosphere from the people, but I had never been to a hockey game. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah, through the heydays of, of the Plains. And uh, so, so that, fir- you know, that first Christmas when I went home, I went to a hockey game and, you know, saw them play the Vancouver Canucks and get beaten. And there were more Canucks fans than Flames fans in the rink, rink I think, that time. And then, uh, and then in law school, I had I, I became a baseball fan because, you know, some you know some law school school classmates asked whether I'd be uh, uh, would go into a fantasy baseball pool going into going on with the legalized gambling, and. Um, and 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 so I started, uh, you know, you know, being a baseball fan. Although I'd watched the Joe Carter home run, and you know, those are all very much part of kind of the the, the, the pop culture and Canadian experience. Like it was, you know, I'd also never been to a baseball game, and now now I'm a huge Blue Jays fan. And I guess that was that was the early, uh, you know, the the early 2000s. So it was really really tough time to be a Blue Jays fan, but I hung in there and still with them, and uh, enjoying it, you know, all the way. Well, you're talking to a man who lives in Toronto and and has to, of course, legally be a fan of uh, the Leafs. So we all have our cross to bear. Uh, Lil, thanks so much for taking the time Thank you. to speak with us today. It's been a really great conversation. I'm glad we had the opportunity. I love talking to Level. His background and family history has had a tremendous impact on his work and inspired his passion for diversity and inclusion. With a unique background that combines philosophy and law, I know Level will continue to have a great impact on the legal community in Atlantic Canada and beyond. That's all for today's episode of Talking to Canadians. Thanks for listening, and thank you to my guest, Level Chan, for sharing his story. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed today's episode, feel free to give it a like and share it with your network. If you didn't enjoy it, feel free to share it with your network anyway. It's all about the quantity. Connect with us through social media. We are at CCDI Social. And don't forget to stay up to date with everything CCDI is doing by visiting our website at ccdi.ca. Thanks again, and I'll be talking with you again soon again.